this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. reading from the Gospel of Luke. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among those who whom is whom he is pleased with when the angels went away from them into heaven the shepherds said to one another let us go over to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has made known to us and they went with haste and found mary and joseph and the baby lying in a manger and when they saw it they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they have heard and seen as they have been told. This is the word of the Lord. So there was a a grandfather sitting down, and his granddaughter was there with him. And she is sitting in his lap, and she's observing his features, his face, and she's rubbing his face, and there's wrinkles. You know, time has had its effect on Grandpa's face. She's looking at his face, and she says, Grandpa, what what happened to your face? He said, well, you know, God made me a long time ago. She said, but my, my face is different than yours. Yours is, yeah, mine has wrinkles. Yours, mine's, mine's, yeah, yours is very smooth. That's because God made you just a short time ago. So she considered what he said, and she looked back at him, and she said, Grandpa, God's getting better, isn't he? <laughs> Sometimes we, we have the perspective, or we have the evidence in life, and, and we can interpret it wrongly. We can come to the wrong conclusions because what we see tells us facts that aren't there. And many times we observe what's going on around us physically, what's in the world today, what's in our circumstances in life, and we come to a, a similar conclusion as the granddaughter did, and, and it's misguided. 
And it's, it's fun to laugh about the granddaughter and the grandfather. That's a funny story, but it's not so funny when we have these opinions and thoughts about who God is that are really wrong. It can cause us to think that God is cruel, unforgiving. It can cause us to think that God is absent and silent in our lives. It can cause us to think that God really doesn't care. It's, it can cause us to question him in many ways. And so it's very important for us to remember who God is and remember who we are in relation to that. Because if, if we try to be in the position of God, we're going to be terrible gods. We're going to be terrible gods. Have you ever been so desperate for relief and, and your only option really was to cry out to God? I think of, of being sick, where I've been so sick where the thought of death was enjoyable, you know? You're like, I need some relief. I, I just don't see how I'm going to get better, better. And there's nothing that I can do to get better. I mean, you can follow the doctor's orders. You can take medicine. You can rest. You can do all these things. But your, your body is just really messed up. And it can cause you in those moments to, to do a lot of things. But what it does for me is it reminds me very quickly of my mortality. That one day this body is going to stop working and it's not going to function in the way that God originally designed it to function. It's going to stop. And I'm really dependent upon God. And what I'm getting at here is a lot of times when things are going well, and, and in my life right now, things are, are going well. You know, I, I'm enjoying life as much as one can in, in New York. And, and so uh, my family, we're, we're in a good spot, okay? I don't really have anything that I should complain about. Well, maybe a couple. <laughs> but things are well. And it's easy in these times to think that I'm self-sufficient. And that's a false reality, just like the granddaughter had with the grandfather. I am not self-sufficient. I can't function on my own. I can't live even this next breath unless God is giving me this next breath. The reality is that I am as much dependent upon God now in this good moment as I would be if I were at death's door. I am dependent upon him for everything. The truly out reality of life is that we are always desperate for God's mercy, and we are desperate for his grace. And one of the things that hit me this week is, is a concern as a, as a pastor that, that I'm concerned for all of you and myself, but I'm concerned for all of you that you may miss the magnitude of what Christmas is all about. That you may just kind of go through this season and think, yeah, this is good, there's joy to the world, there's Christmas, there's presents, there's family, there's good things that happen, but you miss the magnitude because if you don't have a Christmas that looks like that, if you're not in a good spot especially, if you don't have a family that's celebrating with you, if you're not in a good spot, what do you have joy to, joyful to be about? What is there to be joyful about in your life? But Christmas is, is truly about something much bigger than the circumstances of our life. At the core of the Christian Christmas, what it is about is, is that God entered into our broken, desperate, hopeless world. He broke into it, and he's rescuing his children from certain death. This is a death that is not just now, but it's an eternal death of separation from God. 
And if you go through this Christmas without this overwhelming relief, you know, when you're, you're sick and you finally, you know, your fever breaks or whatever it is that's ailing you, ails, and you're, you're just like this, right? Woo! <laughs> I am glad that's over, right? You're smiling because you've been there, you know, right? If that's not how you feel when you realize what God has done for you in Christmas, then either you don't understand what he's done fully or you're rejecting it. And both of those, I hope, can be fixed tonight. I hope that we take our next step of faith to say, wow, God, what you did for us is really amazing, and I'm so grateful to you tonight. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for what you've done. And maybe you're here tonight, and you're like, ah, I don't believe that stuff. Well, Christmas also tells us that we are so broken that the only hope all of humanity has, individually and corporately, is all humanity. The only hope we have is by God giving us grace through his son, Jesus. That's the only hope. And so I hope tonight that your heart would be softened, that you would receive God's salvation, which is what Jesus means. God is salvation. Today's message, if you want to follow along in your worship folders, will have an outline with three points. And there are three words that I hope will, will mean a lot to you already, but you'll gain even more love for tonight that will point you to Christ. But tonight we're talking about, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is born. And God is always working his promises and leading us to worship him. No matter what you see going on, he's always working his promises. And he's leading us to worship him. And this is the season to remember, number one, remember God's providence. God's providence. The word providence is, uh, it's come to mean the act of providing for or sustaining and governing the universe by God. So it means that God is providing for the universe. He's sustaining the universe. He's, he's working. He's, he's doing these things providentially to keep the universe going. It, there's an, an old catechism that was written back in 1563. And it, it's a reformed catechism. And, and it talks about in question 27, verse, uh, question 27, it talks about um, God's providence. And I'll read it to you. It's in old English, so it sounds even better than what it would sound like today. It says, The Almighty and everywhere present power of God. I like that. The Almighty power of God. The everywhere power of God. It's everywhere. Whereby, as it were, by His hand, He still upholds the heaven and earth with all creatures and so governs them that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, all things come not by chance, but by the fatherly hand. All the things we see going on around us somehow are being used by God to bring the means of His will good and bad. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, let's read this together. You can follow on the screen behind me. We'll see the providential work of God here in the story we've been going through in uh, the last four weeks. This is the fourth week of going through Luke chapter 1 and 2. So we had 
chapter 1, the first three weeks, and tonight we're jumping into chapter 2. And this is where we pick up in the story. Luke writes this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world, all the known world, should come to be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town, each to his own place. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, doesn't it seem kind of cruel that Mary would have to travel you know, as pregnant, you got a couple shaking their head, right? She had to travel all this way really pregnant. And by really pregnant, you know what I mean. She was about to have the baby, obviously. So when she gets down here, she's, she was with child, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So they weren't where they were supposed to be. They weren't at the, you know, they hadn't made their plans of where they were going to have the, the baby, and the nursery was all set up with little Noah's Ark, you know, kind of stuff. It, it was nice, but then they had to travel, and, they, you know, there wasn't any room for them in the end. So they, uh, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There are a lot of things about this we may question, like, wow, why, why, why did they have to go here? And if we look to the scriptures, we can see some things happened because of this. There was fulfilled prophecies for the Messiah being born in Bethlehem and, and other things that happened as well. But one thing to remember when it comes to God's providence that when we look around and there are questions we have and some things are good, it's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to tell God, I don't understand. But where we miss it is when we try to position ourselves as the authority over God. And instead of asking Him questions, we're now questioning Him. Who do you think you are? This isn't fair. And so it's, there's a difference between asking God questions and questioning him. And so there are three things under providence to remember. The first thing to remember about God's providence is, is God's timing. God has timing, and, and we don't understand uh, his timing a lot of times. He has a plan that is far above our limited view. He is working all kinds of scenarios around. His will is working in lives of people that you have no idea even exist. And we are a very, very small part of it, a very important part of his plan. Don't make our smallness unimportant. We play a vital role in God's plan, God's will. But God has a timing. In, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it reads, it talks about this time, and it says this. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, when the right time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And it would be appropriate to understand that we're sons and daughters now, but, but here, in, in this day and age, when he uses the word sons here, what he's saying is that when we are born again under Jesus, uh, uh, through faith in Jesus, we are born again, adopted, we become sons and daughters with full inheritance, which means what God has becomes ours. And that is great news. That is wonderful. But when the time had come, it didn't come before God was ready, and it didn't come after. God wasn't early. He wasn't late. But when the fullness of time had come, God worked. So timing. The second thing about providence is place. God's place. 
God had chosen this place hundreds of years prior to Mary going there. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we read this. It says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And so the reason God was orchestrating even Caesar Augustus, he was orchestrating this um, registration to take place so that the prophecy would be fulfilled. So God was working things out based on what was happening in the world around him to fulfill this prophecy. So there's timing, and there's God's timing, there's God's place, and there's God's way. God does things the way he wants to do them because he knows better than we do. And, and so the way to look at the world around us and say, I don't understand why these bad things are happening, that's fine. I don't understand why good things are happening to bad people. I don't understand a lot of things about the world, but what I can't understand is this, is that God is actively using the means of the world, good and bad, to work the means of his will. And his will is always good. That's something we can take comfort in this Christmas. That when we look around our lives and we see brokenness, when we look at our work and we see brokenness, when we look within and we're still broken and we're trying to find healing, when we look in the world around us as a whole and we see it looks like the world's just going to hell, right? We can take comfort and knowing that God is working in the good and in the bad, and through it, he's going to bring out his goodwill. That's what Christmas teaches us, that God is providentially working. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, this is a verse that I love to read when I'm on an airplane. And you'll understand why in a second. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And so it's talking about a worry. And a lot of times that we, we find ourselves worrying and, and God, Jesus was comforting them and saying, listen, God, God takes care of the sparrows, the birds. And not even one of those falls to the ground outside of my consent, my will. And so when I'm flying way up in the air, I'm like, God, there's a lot of people on the plane in here. A lot of sparrows. Oh, and it goes on to say, you're worth many sparrows. So, and you guys are worth many sparrows too. So, I'm like, I remind God, it's like, you're in control. I'm not in control on the plane, you are. And so this is something good for our lives too, that, that God does things his way, and he will bring it about. Amen? Amen. So God's providence is the first one. The second one is this. Remind yourself of God's promise. Number two, God's promise. Why is this one so important? This might be the shortest point tonight. Too many times in your life, you focus on the promises you've made instead of the promises God's made. Too many times in your life, you focus on the promises other people have made to you. They said they were going to do this, and it hurts you. They said they were going to do this, and it causes you to be bitter. But what God wants us to be reminded of, not only this Christmas, but every day, what are his promises? What are the promises that God has made to me? 
What can I truly count on that I know I'll never be let down? God's promises, not mine, not someone else's. If you're up and down all the time, then maybe you're focusing on the wrong person's promises. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, we'll read through it again. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Responsibilities, right? And then the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear for good reason. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, not just you, but for all of them. So I need you to drop your responsibilities of what you're doing right now. I have a special assignment for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. And if you have, anybody have, I won't ask you. But if you have a paper Bible, you can circle these words. Unto you in the city of David a Savior, circle that one. Who is Christ, circle that one. The Lord, circle that one. So Savior, Christ, Lord, those are the three things to focus on when it comes to God's promises. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So the reason these are, these are important words for you to focus on is that Christmas is about the fact that God's brought a deliverer. That's what Savior means. It means someone to deliver you. The book of Judges, there were different deliverers that came in. Israel would, would do well, then they would fall into sin, they would do bad. They'd say, God, help me. He would send a deliverer. Yay, I'm all good now. They would be happy for a while. They would fall into sin. It would be really bad for them. They would cry out to God, help me. He'd send a Savior, a deliverer. Yay, it's all good again. It was just a cycle over and over and over. And finally, what God did at Christmas is he broke the cycle. He said, I'm sending a deliverer now that's going to be not just for you guys, not just for your generation, not just for the people of Israel, but for everybody. Everybody, all the world, all around the world now and all the world going forward. I'm sending a Savior, a deliverer. And this Savior who is a deliverer is Christ. The word Christ means Messiah. Messiah is anointed one. The Messiah is the hero of the story, the one who is chosen to be the vindicator. The deliverer is also the Messiah. He's the promised Messiah. So whenever folks heard this in the day especially of Jesus, they heard Messiah, they heard Christ, and whenever folks heard this, they thought of a person of power just like we would think of a superhero. We, we love superhero movies as a, as a culture. They can keep making them probably till the end of time, and we'll keep watching them because we, we love to see the hero come in and save the day. There's, there, it, it's just something within us that cries out, we want to see good defeat evil. That's, that's real to us. We understand it. And so it comes to us, we think of a person of power, and in this case, it's different. Jesus is a person of power, but he doesn't wield his power the same way a superhero would. In this case of Christmas, we need to think about how God uses his power and how he fulfills his will. So we look at the scriptures and we see that this child that is born, his greatest use of power, listen, his greatest use of power would not be in him taking the life of his enemies, but in laying down his own life for his enemies. Isn't that vastly different? 
that he lays down his life for his enemies instead of taking his enemies out. Jesus was born a child, and he was, was a, he grew up to be a man, and then instead of claiming his position of power and authority over the world and showing people who's boss, he became a servant. And one of the greatest passages in the New Testament especially is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I want to read that for us. Paul is writing, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, or have this, this thought, this understanding. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped, or a thing to be taken advantage of, or to use, to, to put this equality with God in my account and pull out that card whenever I need the trump card. Does that make sense? So he didn't consider it something for him to be, uh, to take advantage of. But instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, Messiah, is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He's the Savior, He's the Messiah, and finally He's the Lord, as far as His promise. God's promise that He is Lord. Lord means supreme authority. It means worthy of worship. It means Jesus is not just the Messiah who came in, who is created by God, but He Himself is God. He is Lord. He is worthy of our full allegiance. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is a prophetic scripture pointing towards Jesus, and it reads this, Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So just as the, the shepherds went and they found Jesus and they worshiped him as Lord, one day everyone, everyone, even the person that Larry talked about last week, you know, sometimes we have people in our lives I know God can save them, or theoretically, but I don't really think he can. But even those people that we doubt, one day are going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some will be voluntary like the shepherds, and others will have a moment where it won't be voluntary, like Herod, who did not acknowledge Jesus. How about you? How do you acknowledge the Lord Jesus in your life? You know, God's promise that, um, <clears throat> that he is sending a Savior, uh, a Messiah, and Lord, his promise comes to the world to everyone, but it, is, it manifests or it surfaces, it, it expresses, it shows itself differently in the lives of the people of, uh, of the children of God's promise. You know, some of us as, as Christians will live lives of prosperity where things will seemingly go really well a majority of the time. And some of us will have lives of struggle where we're just like, I just can't catch a break. It just seems to be worse and worse and worse. And so it, it manifests differently. There will be health and sickness. 
somehow it, it, God has a plan that's working throughout all of those things. But it always comes through faith in Jesus. That's why his promise is manifest into our lives. His promise affects every people. So it comes to the children of God through faith. But it somehow, in the end, eventually, it's going to hit all humanity. And for some, this promise is going to be a promise of life. And for others, it's going to be the promise of death. His promise affects all people. So there's God's providence and his promise. And finally, number three, we'll see our response of praise. Now this praise part is contingent on our receptivity of God's promise. People that don't receive the promise of God as his children certainly are not going to go around praising the Lord. So it takes a a right response of praise. We have to have a right recognition of, of who God is, and have a right relationship with Him. So the recognition part would be the fact of just knowing Jesus Christ is the Lord, that He is God. Well, the devil knows that. And he shudders. These demons shudder. But they don't have faith in Him. So they they recognize it, but they don't have a right relationship. So to recognize it is one thing, but to have a relationship with God is different. Recognition is just Jesus is Lord and Savior. Relationship is Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That I surrender my life to Him. I submit to Him. I bow down to Him. He is my Savior, my Deliverer. He is my Lord and my Master. And this praise is most complete when it's public. Last week we were supposed to have a baptism and somebody forgot a part of the baptistry. Forget who that guy was. Um, So what we're going to do is have it January 5th. And so we're going to see as people making a public praise of who Jesus is and saying, yes, I am surrendering to who he is and now who he is in my life. And I'm praising him publicly. And we'll see that again, a a public praise of who Jesus is. But look in uh, chapter 2, verses 13 and following. And let's see the the response of praise here. Suddenly there was an angel of... uh, was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, that means quickly, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and what? Praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it had been told them as it had been told them. What you see from them is a right response of praise from a right relationship with God. So they returned back to their people differently. They had heard these words from God. They go, they see Jesus, and it changes them. They respond, and and there's this faith that they have, and they, they go back, and they're excited to tell people 
about Jesus and what had happened to them. And we, in the same way, can't have the right response of praise without having that experience with Jesus ourselves. And the way that we need to be reminded of this, if we've already had that moment and we've, we've come to know Jesus as Lord, is we need to remind ourselves what Jesus has done for us. It's easy to forget. Really easy to forget. I mean, there's so many things that happen throughout the course of the day that can take our minds somewhere else. We have work that we do. We have relationships that we are involved in. And so it takes our mind away from what God has done for us. And so the question that we should always ask ourselves is, how am I praising God in my life right now? What am I thanking Him of? What, what am I grateful to God right now in my life for? When do I thank Him? How often do I thank Him? Once a week? Once a day? Once an hour? Throughout the day? How often am I thanking Him? And I have another question. It is wonderful if you're spending a lot of time thanking God personally. But if you really want to see God change your life, start telling other people what God's done for you. When's the last time you bragged? Not, you know what I mean by brag. I don't mean like a, like a bad brag. But when's the ta- last time you just boasted and were excited about what God had done for you that you couldn't wait to tell somebody? These shepherds, they were so excited, they went back and they told people, listen, this is what God has done. There is good news. There is hope. There, there are these wonderful things that have happened in, in, uh, in the world, not only for us, but for everyone. And so this is something for us as well that we are to often look back in our lives and remember what God has done for us. You know, at the beginning of uh, the sermon, I talked about, you know, those times where we, we find ourselves really sick and we're just desperate for God or we're, we're in a really bad situation and we're just desperate for Him and we just cry out to God because we feel like our only hope is Him. What do we do if we're in that moment? Like if that's where we are. Not that's where we were, but that's where we are. We're in the pit, if you will. We're, we're like Joseph, who's down in the pit. We've just been sold into slavery by our brothers. What do we do? What we do in those moments is remember the past faithfulness of God. And in those moments, choose to praise Him. Choose to praise Him in those moments. Because praise, what it does is it lifts us out of the pit of despair. Praise lifts us out of hopelessness. It, it lifts us out of despair. Your praise of God, here's a promise, the praise of God in your life will certainly lift your spirit. It may take a while for it to lift, for it to lift your spirit. It may take days or weeks or even years, but if you keep praising God, it won't take years. Sorry about that. It won't take years. It may take days, uh, moments, days, or weeks, or whatever, but your spirit will be lifted when you start to praise God. You can't truly praise God and trust on His promises and remain hopeless because it changes you. So pray this next time you're desperate. Lord, I bless you in spite of not getting my way. Lord, I bless you in spite of the fact that I see no way out. I praise your name and I bless you even though I can't see how this is going to be turned into good. 
And then, if that's your heart and they, you start to believe those words, and if you don't believe it the first time you say it, welcome to the club. Of course you don't, because it's hard. You have to continue to, to preach who you are and say these things of truth. But, Lord, I bless you in spite of these things, but if that becomes your heart, then you need to get ready for God to move in your life. Get ready to start journaling things down like King David did. King David, in, in Psalm 40, verse 2, wrote, God lifted me out of the pit, and he set my feet upon a rock. So when you find yourself in a pit and you start praising him, get ready to start journaling that in your diary. Get ready to start telling people, God lifted me out of the pit of despair, and now I'm on the rock of Jesus. You know, God is looking to get people out of the pits and onto the rocks. He is looking to lift people out. He's looking for the faithful ones who are turned to him and are saying, Lord, I'm going to praise you and bless you no matter what. So I've, I've, I've adopted three, uh, two, two nights ago, I guess, maybe three nights ago. But I'm reading through a book, and I find myself inwardly many times focusing on the negative. Anybody else? You just kind of see the negative? I feel like it's my spiritual gift to see the negative, except that doesn't really line up <clears throat> with Scripture. So, but it's easy for me to see things that, oh, that should be better, that should be better, that should be better. And, but that's not the way God wants me to, to live. It's not a healthy way to live either. And so I, I had these three phrases for the whole day. I kept saying them over and over to myself out loud, but I would say, I am joyful. I am favored by God. And I am full of faith in Jesus. And I found myself, when I first said those things, I was like, not true, not true, not true. <laughs> but the more I said them, the more I started to actually believe those to be true, and the more they started to become true. So what is it in your life? What are you praising God for? What are the promises that God has given you? Because in Christ, I am joyful. I may not be full of joy right now, but it's because I'm not focused on God's promises. I'm focused on the things that I want. But I am joyful. I am favored by God. God has chosen me. And I am full of faith in Jesus, which reminds me, you know what? There are going to be times when my faith is going to be um, um, challenged. And I'm not going to want to have, but I am full of faith in Him. I know He will not let me down. I know that He will come through. God is looking to bless you. But the question for you this Christmas is, are you looking to God? He's looking to bless you. He wants to heap blessings upon blessings and, and grace upon grace upon you. But are you looking to him? Have you trusted Jesus? These are the next steps. If you have if, a worship folder in front of you. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Him? Do you know that He is your Lord? If the answer to that is no, then tonight is the night that you can lay down your life and you can say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I belong to you. Forgive me, and I place my faith in you as my Lord. 
Next step is preaching one of God's promises to yourself every day this week and focus your heart on those things. Like the statements I shared with you a moment ago, find out where it is that, that you're lacking God's truth in your life and start saying it over and over in your life. And then the final thing is publicly praising Jesus for his good works. Tell people what God has done for you and praise him for it. When you find yourselves in the pits, become and remain a person of praise. Amen? Unto us a child is born. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for um, the promise that you've given to us through Christmas. And thank you that tonight we can take comfort, peace, and joy of knowing that whatever's going on around us, whatever the world has that is wrong, Somehow, God, you are working a good plan through it. Thank you for being a providential God. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough. Thank, thank you for giving us a promise that we can live on. Thank you for being our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord. And Lord, I thank you so much for the chance to be a person of praise. May our friends, may our family, may our church people come to know us as people who are grateful, as a person who loves to thank Jesus for what he has done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.